0: This is The Hunt Quietly Podcast. I'm Matt Rinella. So, Joe, I was just telling you before I hit record that, yeah, my, my mood and my attitude about this whole thing and my feelings about its potential they oscillate wildly but i'm in a, i'm in a, i'm feeling pretty good right now because like i just told you i think we're we're going to be moving in the next probably 6 months cuz we have so many episodes recorded and it's going to be hunting season towards different model of doing the podcast it's more a group discussion about a recent event or article i think that that has like these last few you just listened to i just think they're better Right. I do think that I agree. And
1: for for the audience, we were referring to um, the Sitka rant podcast as well as the uh, response to the uh, Joe Rogan um, discussion with Cam Haynes, which I mean, if you're being discussed on the Joe Rogan podcast, I think you're you're doing something right. You know,
0: (laughs) it's it's a sentiment (laughs) that's lack is lurking underneath the surface now. You could see yeah. where we could have an impact on the a positive impact on the things that we're concerned about, uh, without having a large following. Right. Do you know what I mean? The,
1: yeah, though I do think like you're relatively early on in this in this process, right? So a little
0: over a year.
1: I mean I don't know if you if you care to share any type of st- statistics that we were talking about offline but it I'm seems a, I'm like
0: an open book
1: that's I'm great. an open
0: book I have no that's, secrets we had uh, nine hundred and fifty viewers listeners last week and we've only and that's one third one thirtieth of the number of people that have ever listened right so, so. 30,000 30, listeners all time It was pretty low retention rate, but that's because I'm still learning how to be a good podcast host. <laughs> exactly.
1: And, uh, I, I think that you're getting better over time. I think, um, you know, I, uh, the first, the first few that I listened to and I'll admit that I ha- I didn't go all the way back. So I'm probably realistically, maybe 15 podcasts in, but even from that point, just in terms of like uh, you know, dead air and strange muffled sound and things like that, oh. it's getting it's getting better in that in that sense. And then I do think that you're starting to really hone in on what are what's what are impactful topics, what are things that are gonna draw attentions, what's overly repetitive and what's not. So and again we were talking a little bit about this offline which is i'm no expert either of course and i I guess the only point i have is you know i have i haven't done much that has reached an audience of thirty thousand in a year especially right so um i feel like that is if you look about it at it in that context i feel like you are making an impact and i think that your message is res- resonating with a lot of people, including me, who I'll get into my background, but I'm no expert, badass, hardcore hunter. Mm-hmm. I'm one of these like beginner, uh, you know, type guys who who uh, probably are, you know, largely somewhat considered to be part of the problem that a lot of maybe mm-hmm. some of your... Some, Not by me. Uh, But you know, by me, and this
0: is something I'm I gotta (laughs) say more of, right? Is that I, once you are a hunter, unless you're trying to be an influencer, you're then within my sphere of concern whether or not you want to be, right? If you're not, as long as you're not trying to be an influencer and you're doing it for hide horns meat personal satisfaction. And you're not gobbling, using money to gobble up a bunch of exclusive access for yourself. There's a few other things. If you're, gotcha. if you're not shooting five, six thousand yard, a hundred thousand, you know, a hundred thousand or five or six hundred or a thousand. I just do math all day. So I'm just terrible with numbers in the evening. <laughs> uh, yards, it, the, you know, the, there's then it doesn't matter. It does not matter how long you've been at it. I feel I feel more concerned for people that are just getting into it because they don't have right. as much of a skill set that they can leverage to be successful in a crowded hunting environment. Absolutely.
1: And I do think that, um, yeah, I, I – that is unfair to say that I'd be labeled as, as part of the problem, but just in terms of a a symptom of the problem of a guy who, you know, I actually have a a hunting family, so I'm a little bit different, but I was largely inspired by relatively recent, uh, not social media, but let's just call it media, hunting media that kind of made me realize that um, this was an, activity that i was that i was really interested in for a number of reasons and it kind of largely is it's well suited to me and we're here to talk about surfing as well and how it kind of intersects with hunting or some kind of parallels or comparison i I understand but um for me it you know growing up in a hunting family and if you want to stop me and i can go we can kind of reset if you'd like but um Hmm.
0: No, it just okay. we're just going to have a conversation. One thing I'll say is, it's because of hunters like you that I don't want more hunting promotion. I just want to finish that thought. Absolutely, it's a, diff- it's a difficult thought. It is a difficult thought. You were brought, you were, in, you were brought in by media. Yep. I'm glad you're here. Now let's do away <laughs> with the media. Absolutely,
1: and I think it's it's if i can if i can interpret what i've maybe heard from you it it's largely it's not necessarily the the consumers of this media right it's really the 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 publishers of this media not necessarily considering how it affects the the core active hunters that are, that are already in the community today right and the, the I don't think and
0: the consequences. nobody's I'm sorry go ahead yeah
1: no good or perhaps uh maybe they don't consider our um I'll say our <laughs> our experiences uh over personal gain right cuz gr- uh growing growing the hunting population is means more sales too and I I I've heard this from you a number of times which it, it that makes a lot of sense you know yeah. it,
0: it's it, always it, growing it, it, and If uh, you need any more evidence, like I'm always arguing that that's why the nonprofits push R3 It's because R3 is what the nonprofits deliver to the hunting industry in exchange for the money that the hunting industry gives the nonprofits. Right, it's there it's advertising and it, and so I've always had to argue that, but there's there's things that there's things that I've had to argue and and the arguments have gotten better because argue just kind of from anecdotes, but the arguments have gotten more precise because I keep getting new data and with this sick rant thing. That is what I'm talking about, is exactly that. It's the Sika uh brings uh leverages the fact that they found a, a famous snowboarder that's getting into hunting to bring hunting to a new audience, so they had all kinds of choices. Sika did right to how they're they gonna spend their money uh their advertising dollars they spent it they spent $21,000 of it paying for this guy's hunt on a private ranch so that they could make a big deal out of it on his social media you know they could spend it on some other form of advertisement that was targeting the existing hunting community but that just doesn't cut it for them they got to they got to target people that aren't hunters right
1: well i do think that i think that 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 uh video is it's well made it
0: um you saw there you saw the video i
1: I saw it yep i saw it after right after i watched your podcast i will i will give it to them that it's well made it's beautifully shot it's I would say I'm not, not necessarily compelling, but it's storytelling. Right. But I think, that, well, <laughs> um,
0: but <laughs> not true storytelling, but storytelling. Exactly.
1: That's, I was just about to say, it seems like, um, a complaint that, that you had, and I don't want to be too repetitive here because you had a whole podcast on right. it, but it did. Um, it was misleading and it doesn't represent the, the normal average hunting experience for the vast majority of us. And so for me, um, I'll I'll actually say it like, you know, I think meat eater was a big, uh, inspiration for me starting to really get back into hunting. So initially I grew up in, in Colorado with a hunting family, but you know, my family were road hunters, ate wild game, have not like no stigma around wild game. Um, no stigma around the concept of of you know taking from the landscape
0: but you say your me, family do you mean siblings and your mom and dad it my my dad and my grandfather specifically
1: okay. um i had i had a big brother um
0: who was
1: not interested in hunting and i was in a similar similar boat i was much more interested in board sports um growing up in Colorado, we would also, uh, vacation in, in California a lot where a lot of my family is. So that's how I was introduced to surfing and the ocean as well. So for me, I was, um, you know, my, my parents, my dad and my grandfather didn't really push me too hard to go in that direction. It could have been selfish too. Now that I know what I know, like having a, a you know, dumb kid with you messing up your hunting. It's there's a, <laughs> you know, there's a, there's a consideration there, certainly. I'm well, not saying, you, that...
0: <laughs> but, with, but you would have been a, you would have been a dumb kid sitting in the back seat, right? Yeah. If just road haunting. That's
1: true. That's true. It's a good point. I don't know. But, anyways, I, I actually think it, you know, my, my dad respected my wishes more than anything versus dragged me kicking and screaming into the, into the back of the truck. Um, but as a result, I got like an adjacent perspective of hunting, meaning I ate the food. I celebrated with my dad when he was successful. Right. But, um, I, re- I I'll tell you, I really had no interest in it whatsoever because I felt like I was having more meaningful and, uh, uh, experiences in the outdoors. And in that, that time it was, you know, riding very quickly down a, a mountain, a snowy mountain, you know? It was skateboarding. It was going to punk rock shows in, uh, you know, neighboring Colorado Springs, which is I, I grew up about an hour outside of. Um, things of that nature were much more interesting to me in my teens.
0: Um, you know, in my then, teens, I did a lot of ha- I did a lot of hunting, a lot of hunting. But it, yep, I also uh, went to a punk rock club a lot. It's called the Ice Pick in Mesquite, nice. in where I grew up. <laughs> I I was in two different bands that used to play at the Ice Pick, and and I I was in my early teens. I was into into water skiing, and then in my mid and late teens, I got into skimboarding.
1: Oh wow! Uh, Was that like on? I assume that's on a lake, or yeah, we
0: grew up on a lake. Gotcha. Yeah,
1: is would that be fun though to skimboard? Are there any waves on that lake?
0: No, there's no waves. It was like <laughs> the way we did it was just there'd be areas where there was sh- very shallow water, yeah, for a long ways, and you just run and jump on that board, and you know shoot across the surface of the water for a long ways. You Have know,
1: you seen? have you seen the ocean skim borders where yeah, hear some like sh- shore break that that stuff's amazing there's some some of those guys do some just incredible stuff like they're getting better waves from land than i'm getting from you know paddling into waves from um, out, out the back of the ocean so <laughs> I, that,
0: you, this is how i'm gonna spend the rest of my evening after we get off now because i haven't watched any in many years and it's probably advanced
1: oh it really has it really has Um, and it's, you know, I feel like they're constantly with the, the, I wouldn't even consider that to be a sport, but with these extreme sports, they're constantly trying to one up each other, you know, so they're going, they're pulling into these just amazing shore break, just, you know, five, six, seven foot, just lurching pound shore pounds, you know, so it's, it's pretty fun to see them. And eventually they, you know, they'll make, um, like tubes and other things like i'm sorry this is terminology that i might need to explain but barrels and stuff and it, it's just incredible
0: and then yeah, there's that, a guy that's that, like a that's the you're that's a wave that's like a tube that you get inside and ride right yeah yeah exactly
1: um that is it's it's essentially you know if there are certain waves that are powerful enough where um if if it's powerful enough and it engages a sandbar or a reef rocks whatever um in the right way the top of the wave will pitch over to the extent where it'll give you an actual tube or like a tunnel in which um if you can get in there and particularly make it out it's one of the most incredible feelings oh yeah you I've, watched experience.
0: I've watched some of that on on youtube i used yeah. to watch a lot of a, a lot of surfing videos but now because of my stance I'm, I try not to watch them. Oh, yeah. Because, yes. Because what I think is that all human activities where there's a limited supply should be reserved for people that do it for the love of it. Gotcha. Yeah.
1: And so I, I, I think that, that being
0: a hunting celebrity and making hunting entertainment is rude. In, in, in the same way that I think that being as a surfing influencer is rude or, or a mountain climbing influencer is rude. Yeah.
1: I mean, that, that is interesting. I guess it, I wonder if you, do you have any, I do not even say like, do you have any perspective on the existing hunting community? And in my case, the existing surfing community, getting like getting value, getting enjoyment and not, not again, it's not information. It's like inspiration. It's like, it's living through somebody else's experience. So for me, like in in the surfing world, I, you know, I've been surfing for a very long time. Um, I surf a wide variety of waves and wave types and I've surfed all over the world, Um, but there is no way, there's no chance that I would be able to to ride these waves that you're probably seeing on YouTube a lot, like the the ones that get a lot of views, these big barreling, just death, you know, death in water form waves. Uh, Generally speaking, those big waves that are barreling are breaking in really shallow water, generally sharp reef. And it just requires a level of commitment, experience, confidence, and and physique that I, as a man in my late thirties now, I just don't possess anymore. Um, so for me, I, I draw a line there between, wow, this, this person is doing, is sharing this content thoughtfully, meaning they're not sharing location. They're not blowing up spots. A lot of times you can surf, you can film surfing tastefully in in a manner where, um, You're not, you really don't have any like landmarks or anything. It's just the wave and the surfer, right? So I feel like that benefit of seeing that and being inspired by that outweighs the potential harm, which I see what you're saying of being an attractant to newcomers, right? An, An important distinction between hunting and, and surfing, I think is the, the level of effort and difficulty required to participate in the act too so for instance those waves a lot of the waves that you're seeing on youtube um there's no chance in hell that somebody who's been surfing for let's say five years or less would ever make it into those waves there's the the physical constraint. There's the fear, there's the power, all of these things, the the, uh, lack of understanding of actually how to get into these waves, which is a serious thing. But it's also, there's a a surfing community. It's very insular, it's very conservative, it's very like um, tribal. That there are a lot of waves like that. If you just go and uh, attempt to paddle into a wave like that, you'll be sent into the beach. Um, And that's because, you know, surfing has something we call localism. Which is uh, a—it's essentially, you know, like um, it's a—it's a mechanism where people who are from a particular location, they are very—they're not very welcoming to anybody who who they don't know, who they don't see um, from day to day at that surf break, and there's not really many ways to kind of climb that pecking order in a lot of places, but other than just being there for a long time, paying your dues. Being present, being respectful, and then eventually being a, very, a pretty good surfer too—that's also a, way, a mechanism to like be able to to be invited into waves like that.
0: Um, well, how sorry, do they me, how do they prevent you from go, from going out there?
1: Well, it depends on where we're talking about, right? So, what are, are some of the
0: ways they prevent you? <laughs> we
1: are we are in a litigious age now, right? So things are changing quite rapidly. If I were to be, uh, in, let's say, um, Central America, uh, I've witnessed this personally multiple times there. It will likely, you'll get a verbal warning. If you continue, you say, Hey, you know, I, I can do what I want. Uh, the
0: warning would be something like, you're not a regular here. We are here now. We don't want, we would rather you leave.
1: No, much, much less kind. Than that, <laughs> it will what be.
0: What the f do you think you're doing here? It,
1: and it's this is contextual. Like, so if even if, if they I'm,
0: know I'm, you have the chops, they'll say this. They know that you're a good surfer. They in still. Cer-
1: certain 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 situations, yes. And it's about respect, and it's about. um So if somebody, regardless of your ability level, just paddles straight to the top of the peak, the top of the peak is imagine a lineup, and the the per- person kind of furthest out and closest to the breaking wave generally has priority. So if, if somebody who's, let's say the best surfer in the world paddles out to the top of, of, uh, that lineup, and there's good surfers there that, you know, all know each other have been surfing there for a long time, you'll immediately get called out and say, Hey, like, go, go back outside of like this area. You've, you know, like there's a, there's a something called the shoulder, which is like, there's the peak and then there's the shoulder, which is farther out where essentially like it's the, it's the leftovers where if somebody, nobody catches a wave and, and nobody's riding it, like you might be able to get an opportunity to catch a wave, but it's not in like the prime area. Right. And so in that case, um, if somebody were to do that, they would be likely uh, approached. um, And this is in a place that does not have like, video cameras everywhere like a malibu right um you'd be approached if you are determined to be you know lack respect you would likely be slapped um and told to go into the beach and then you know i've been in i've been in environments where uh a, a, somebody that i know was perceived to catch be catching too many waves and was
0: like cutting told, in
1: line not even that but just being a little bit greedy being perceived as greedy um you know like kind of cutting in line it's it's hard it, it's a soft it's a soft yeah, I, I it,
0: like you don't it's really not clear who's in front of the line because you don't know exactly where the wave is going to go break
1: at times at times and you know there's there's people with different ability levels different age levels
0: and so sometimes
1: you make an assumption and you paddle around somebody who's you know pretty far on the inside and um that that person may not Appreciate you doing that, right? So, in this case, uh, let's I back have, up I know- one
0: step, just because I think it'll sure. be instructive for people like me that don't know anything about this.
1: Absolutely. What
0: is the? What are the risks? What happens when too many people go on the same wave?
1: Um, well, <laughs> that that is that is a uh, a serious offense, and it's called burning somebody burning somebody means if if somebody's already on the wave and riding it and there's a whole series of rules around priority and if you know if you're closest to the peak and there's we, we don't have to get bogged down in all of this information if you um, burn or drop in on somebody already riding the wave in a place like that most likely you'll be warned if you don't apologize, you the the consequences could be severe and that it could lead to um definitely a verbal altercation almost everybody would anywhere in the world there would be a verbal altercation what the hell why didn't you you know look down the line like what are you doing here go get out of here you know paddle because there's a risk
0: you're going to run into each other or like interfere with each other's route
1: certainly and also um to quote uh a uh, person I look up to, Scott Bass, surfers are the worst. We're all selfish assholes who are out for ourselves. Um, and we exist within a, a community that has no problem talking to each other and setting each other in uh, putting putting people in pl- in their own place. You know, mm. I try to have I try to operate with empathy and dignity and um and have some understanding as to, you know, my fellow man. But even I have been, I've said some mean things and done some mean things to people who I felt either were uh, were not respectful, they were disrespectful, or they were unsafe. So you'd, you keep mentioning safety, and that is absolutely something that is uh, a problem right now, especially with like COVID and the boom of surfing really has blown up um, since COVID. So there's a lot of beginners who don't know what they're they're doing in um, generally it, it often in waves that they have no business being out there. And in. so in, the, in those cases, yeah, they it's a very common experience for those people to be, um, you know, talked to firmly by by more than one person. And so, so surfing often you'll see that beginners often have a lot of resentment and there's a lot of people who quit surfing because they can't handle the the toxic culture
0: oh wow that, yeah really?
1: <laughs> and um yeah i know
0: you guys are like a pack of wolves and the wave is like a is like a freshly killed elk calf and you're all just <laughs> fighting over it
1: Somewhat, yeah. I hate. I hate that. I hate. I hate that you described it that way. But in certain, certain scenarios, particularly when there's a lot of people or it's a well-known wave and it's a it's a good wave, meaning it's got good size, good shape, very powerful, you will see you will see some pretty pretty terrible ha- behavior in those situations. Wow. But I would like to also say that in a similar way to hunting, where you know, you have found a really interesting way to get into that country, right? Which I'm familiar with your llamas, right? Um, there are really interesting ways to find waves that aren't, aren't crowded either. You know, a lot of, a lot of people will use like modern websites that tell them where to go. They'll see uh, social media and they'll, social media will point them to these gigantic overpopulated surf breaks and, um, and the vast majority of the of those cases are are fine because they're known to be essentially like beginner or just chaotic breaks, right? There's so, there's
0: more room for people for for people per square whatever mile of certain can, territory when it when you're when it when it's smaller waves and you're novice.
1: They're absolutely. Fair? Absolutely, and there are there are places where those those people are much more welcome. You will still encounter what I described—the grumpy locals who are who are complaining at essentially the the kids in the kiddie pool, saying, "Ah, this is my wave," you know. But for the most part, those places, it's well understood that that's where the beginners go. Um, there's that medium where waves that I really like to surf, like in that like head high-ish, a little bit overhead range. Um, It's not quite as treacherous for a beginner and they don't know exactly what their limitations are yet. It's common to see them attempt waves like that, but they're not really a big worry because generally they'll either get crushed and, you know, walk back onto the beach very quickly with their tails between their legs, or they won't have the physical stamina to maintain their positioning in the water and the current will just drift them down the beach and they'll, they'll be gone in, in, in minutes, you know? So generally speaking, uh, those types of beginners aren't a huge concern for a lot of surfers who are surfing at places that are not these small beginner, like imagine like your, um, Waikikis and there's, there's a million places like that, um, where there's just small, really playful waves. Um, but like for so, for instance, I surf in places where it requires more physical ability, um, a deep knowledge knowledge of ocean tides and when a particular location will be working well. You're not going to read that from a blog. Um, I, as an aside, and I'm sorry, I, I feel like I'm going on adjacent after adjacent. No, this but is
0: great. Well, those, I, I mean, my goal was to. I thought it would be interesting to explore, you know, what, what, what does crowding do in other yeah, natural pursuits that involve the natural world? You know?
1: Absolutely. Um, and the ethics
0: and the ethical considerations in that. So this is great.
1: Right. Right. And you know, if, of course, like it might be difficult to, um, have a similar, really aggressive uh, approach verbal approach to people who are you know you meet on the trailhead <laughs> uh, given that you know these people are generally armed and uh, you are in a <laughs> a setting without many witnesses but um <laughs> yeah. but it yeah I I do agree that uh that there are some some interesting kind of takeaways perhaps and I think they're cultural there's some cultural kind of like uh uh expectations within surfing that might be interesting to to consider within hunting and so what i was just about to say is that another thing pertaining to those um those breaks where a lot of beginners flock to the a lot of those breaks are uh, available online. So you can, there are surfing apps where you can find like the closest break and how great the conditions are, what the size is, what the wind is doing. It'll give you like a red, green, um, red, green, uh, orange, kind of like super simple rating to determine if the conditions are good for surfing or not, but that's all fine and good, but those are limited to very specific locations. Within surfing, it is a, it's one of the 10 commandments that you do not burn spots. You do not share spots. There are locations where if you post a photo within a a hundred mile radius of a particular location, even on the California coast right now, you will, you will hear from it, from the the core surfing community. There will be, yeah, they, they won't live it down. Uh, They will, they will there will be physical threats there will i mean i was just at a place um a, a couple months ago in the bay area and somebody was recording a, a a surf break from their phone on top of a cliff through a fence and i personally witnessed this person um the phone was ripped out of their hand they were pushed to the ground and they were told to get lost um So that is something that is very, very common. And I do not condone violence at all, but it is something that is known within the surfing community that if you burn spots, particularly these, these places that are not these like Malibus, these really common areas that are known to be the places where these types of beginners go. um, Yeah. You can get in big trouble from again, local communities in particular. Um, Yeah. So I, again, I don't condone violence, but it could be interesting to think about a world in which, um, you know, if a, a YouTube video posts a, uh, you know, a particular, even a, a, um, a national forest, even something huge, that within the surfing community would be an, an egregious, um, you know, like a, an offense to, to the surfing community because you don't burn spots for the same, the same exact reason, um, surfing waves are a finite resource. There are only so many of them. More people generally mean a, a lesser, worse experience in, in general, um, with surfing. So I think it's similar in hunting.
0: Uh, okay. Do you think that surfing influencers bring people into surfing?
1: okay yeah i knew you're going to ask me that so i and i wonder if hunting is in a similar way in that there are different types of influencers so there are they're like in surfing there are comedians who essentially make fun of the influencers
0: yeah we, uh, have, that too. we have that too yeah i don't know if yeah. you've noticed that but we have meme sites
1: to, to some extent i think uh I'm a little bit more, I'm closer to the surfing community just in terms of media than I am the hunting community. Like what I really care, what I love with hunting is like the stuff that I can like learn about. Cause again, I'm, I don't have any mentors. I've been hunting. I've been turkey hunting for years now and have yet to get a damn turkey. So what I'm trying to, I'm just trying to glean as much information about not necessarily where to go, but just what I'm doing wrong, what other people are doing, what the various approaches are, and it's not even within the context of how to. Like I'm looking at the details, like the the little tiny nuggets of of experience that you, somebody who's been hunting his whole life, w- like you know, like that's the kind of thing that I'm really looking for. Um, and so that's the media that I think I, you need a better spot
0: because I shot a turkey the first time I ever went.
1: Yeah, I well. So I'm, I'm, I didn't know anything <laughs> about
0: turkey hunting the first time I ever went turkey hunting.
1: Yeah, I need a better spot, but you know that that's another problem that you are trying to to help I can't, with. Right? I guarantee
0: you, <laughs> you have more raw talent than me. I'm, I, I have zero raw talent. So yeah, well, to me, it's like you don't need more tips and tactics or fine yeah, point. You need a better spot.
1: It's <laughs> it's funny you say that because okay, so I. For for the audience, and I'm sorry, I should have given my whole background. Um, I live in San Francisco, California. I like the
0: background, just to kind of roll out throughout the course. Of the All right. Discussion. Okay, sounds sounds good. I don't I'll try like, to not this is something <laughs> I got from the Rogan experience. Like he doesn't have so lay out your well, when I was eight, and then when I right. got into you know, it just kind of
1: just
0: <laughs> well, I, I, from, I like that approach.
1: I, I like it too, but for me, like.
0: Because there's uh, going to be liner notes.
1: Right. That's true. I, okay. Fair, I'm fair try.
0: Enough. I'm trying, man. I just had a huge win. The other podcast host is now going to be doing all of the editing and all of the like dissemination because oh. I'm so overextended between yeah. podcasting and our nonprofit, our Hunters for Access nonprofit. So, um, right. how did I get on that? What made me start okay. talking about that?
1: Um, maybe uh, we were talking about podcast formats, perhaps. But
0: oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, that's I right. Do,
1: I I do appreciate, but that the
0: liner that. notes. That's where I was going. So he'll yeah. have to write them from now on. But yeah, and. That, that- just make him,
1: make him seem, make him, make me seem like I'm interesting. Cause I'm not, I'm no celebrity. You know what I mean? I'm just a, a, a dipshit surfer from California.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, but there's very few, I have very few celebrities on. And when I have a hunting celebrity on the conversation follows this formula, it's, right. it's, it's a, it's a, it's a pre it's a. Foregone conclusion: What the podcast is going to be if I'm talking to a Randy Newberg an Aaron Snyder or a Jim Shockey, it's going right. to be me pointing out how I think they're fucking us and them defending themselves. Right. right. So I would <laughs> way rather talk to somebody like you that you know this is this is a good a good idea just to have yeah. Three. Where it's like a different thing where crowding's an issue and there's ethical considerations. Considerations. I'm learning a lot about this man because, like, now I, cool. I used to think I was going to. There's this was destined to get soup. This podcast was destined to get incredibly redundant. But now that we're going to start doing these current issue ones, it's like it'll never get redundant. There's a lot of people right. out there that want to know what's going on currently. You know with the hunting right. zeitgeist, but okay. So anyway, we've established that I, we don't have to do like a, you know, start with your child and work up from there. But anyway, right. Yeah, you. I right was,
1: talking. I was get, yeah, I was going to give some context just about where I'm hunting and what my current experience is. Um, right. yeah, just maybe. I w-
0: I've been very curious to learn about this. Right. So. so I I live in
1: one of the hunting capitals of the world San Francisco California um, <laughs> is that so <laughs> <laughs> yeah no uh, I, man i I don't I don't have a single friend within my like l- local community who owns a gun who would even dream of owning a gun let alone injuring an animal you know but they actually are very supportive of me mostly like around that, the food acquisition part of it versus like the, you know, the barbarian nature of, of wounding animals. But anyways, right. I digress. Um, the closest I would say like really, um, I don't, I don't know, uh, not even decent, but at remotely adequate hunting land for me is around two and a half hours away. And that, hunting that piece of public is hit hard. It's a decent amount of, of land, so I've, you know, I'm I'm able to uh, go and like pretty far back there and uh This is where you're hunting a,
0: your turkeys?
1: This is where I'm hunting my turkeys. Yeah, it's sur- surrounded by a lot of agriculture, uh, a lot of uh like open kind of, you know, ranch land. But then there's a, you know, um a few thousand acres of public uh, kind of all super hilly pretty rugged terrain that um i'm i'm pursuing turkeys in right now i have like gone to maybe as far as like six seven hours away um to go to other uh, parts of california that have you know good populations i've seen turkeys i've had really close opportunities but never been able to seal the deal are you a turkey
0: specialist
1: I'm well, no, but this is just an example of why I'm I think I'm consuming media is not only because I'm looking for tips and tactics, though that's a huge part of it. I'm also just trying to like fill this like void. I've fallen in love with this activity. And like, if I could, I'd be out there every morning. If I could, you know, it'd be a tough one to choose between surfing, which I am out there almost every morning and hunting. Um, but I can't. And it's hard for me to get out there. So I will listen to hunting podcasts and watch some YouTube videos just to try to kindle that, that thirst or that flame or, you know, quench that thirst that I have for being out, out in the woods more. Um, which I think is it, I, you know, again, it, for me, it's, it's, um, it, I'm I'm different than the person who's making decisions uh, on publishing content, but I do feel like there is some value for certain types of hunt- hunters in these situations to kind of, they're like, they're stoke stokers, you know, like they're it's, it's media to get you excited, not necessarily to, to get new hunters into the fold, I guess. I don't know. I, I could be wrong about that.
0: I just interviewed a guy that was a minor hunting influencer for a while and he's reformed now and his name is grant Oldenburg. he was telling me that you can find now where people are live streaming their hunts and he said he knows people that last fall were watching other people live stream their hunts from their tree stand wow <laughs>
1: So like who, who's so watching I that get kind it of stuff?
0: I get it. What's that?
1: I mean, I I'm not watching that kind of stuff. I don't have I don't have no, I know,
0: but no, the point <laughs> I'm just making your point for you. Yeah, some people no, need did. some to, to to get them inspired and all that. But like right. it's just that the damage is so severe. It's I not hear. with you, it's crowding alone, just crowding. With hunting, it's it's taking some of the waves away. Absolutely, it's making people buy the fucking wave, the whole wave.
1: Well, it's and I have this in my notes actually. I'll, it's in surfing the the damage that is done. Of course, let's let's assume no physical injury has happened. The damage is, that's done in that instance is that you wrecked a moment that I was having, and that's a meaningful moment. It's an important moment, and I think I, I actually put it close to the experience that I felt out in the woods. In the couple times I've been successful with small game, it's like a it's borderline spiritual act, in my opinion. And so, if you if you fuck that up, that's that's a problem, right? Yeah. But guess what? I can just go paddle back out and get 20 more before the end of my session. Um and so with hunting, I feel like the consequences of what you're talking about, it's wildly different. It's so much more severe for somebody who doesn't know what they're doing to just go and blow out a whole area, right? Because you've effectively ruined hunting in that area for a potentially a long time right um and that's one act of one dipshit like me who just goes or not
0: even a dipshit could be somebody that's like i i pity the fool that wants to go hunt within three miles of one of my camps two days after i've been there
1: (laughs) gotcha yeah yeah fair enough
0: Uh, okay do again i want to ask i don't think we got I think we got sidetracked. Do you think surfing influencers bring people into surfing?
1: Oh, I'm sorry. So, yes, absolutely. They do.
0: Okay, Um, so here, let me stop you there because it's a leading question. So, here's where I get confused. Everybody in the hunting sphere and everybody in the surfing sphere, we all agree that burning spots, bad, bad, bad. We all agree that's not right. However, it's totally fine to write an article like the big bucks are in Kansas this year, or it's totally okay for a hunting nonprofit to have an aggressive campaign towards getting more people in the hunting. And what I don't under I don't understand the difference. It's okay. It, it, it's not okay to bring people in to a spot one spot, but it's okay to bring in a bunch of people and distribute them amongst all the spots. How is that any different in the terms of its consequences? Right? Well, I guess
1: in surfing, there are these natural protections that are in place, right? So for a surfing influencer. These surf okay, the, uh, here, an important distinction might be that these surfing influencers appeal to beginners, Sir and a- even the be- beginner has a derogatory term in surfing. It's called kook. and a kook is uh, is re- referring to a name, a Hawaiian name for excrement called cook. Oh. Oh. And so a kook is is essentially a piece of shit. And so uh, it's also these... a
0: cuck is also, uh, <laughs> you hear this on the right a lot. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, I know. Okay. Oh,
1: absolutely. Yeah.
0: Wait, oh, well, yeah, I don't know what sure. they mean. I just read it a lot. I'm not sure if it means, but it's short. Is it short for cuckold?
1: It is. Yeah, I think okay. it is. Yeah. Like okay. somebody who shares their wife or something like that.
0: No, I'm... it's not that. It's, I think if you're, so. <laughs> if you're a cuckold, you're someone whose wife, you're not satisfying your w- wife and she's sleeping around on you. Oh, gotcha. Okay. And when she does that to you, then you've been cuckolded. That's the Uh adjective form. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. Anyways. So who knows? Maybe I'm getting cuckolded right now. My wife lives on the other side of the state. (laughs) Wow. That's, that's amazing. Maybe I'm a cuck.
1: (laughs) (laughs) We That's might not all be. funny.
0: Why am I laughing? They funny. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, okay. So uh, the reason why I mention this is that those types of those beginners, they are, they are the people who are who are following these types of surf influencers to the the core community of like of surfers who, you know, let's just call them the core community, they they make fun of them and they, they you know, okay. they just dis- them, Um, And really, there's not really any exceptions, except for these comedian type influencers, if you even want to call them influencers. So what just tying it back to what I said before, these types of beginners aren't really perceived too much to be a threat, per se, because usually they're, they're just a temporary issue. And they're not going to be surfing in these places that
0: we're going to get water in their nose and go home
1: yeah exactly and it i i I was actually thinking about this before before joining on and i think that um it's interesting to compare surfing and hunting in terms of the time to uh the time required to a meaningful experience and i will tell you that the first time i went i walked through the the woods with a weapon with a purpose. I wasn't just backpacking on a trail following, like trying to get from point A to point B, but I was actually out in the wilderness with a purpose and all of my senses were heightened. And I was, I had no hope of being successful that day, but that by itself was almost that, that was one of the coolest days I've ever had hunting. Because it was this just incredibly, like, it was like this aha moment for me. Like, like, holy shit, this is really hard and it's really cool. And it's something that I could devote my life to and it'll never be the same with every trip. It's going to be this, it's just like surfing. Every wave is different with hunting. Every experience is going to be slightly different because you're dealing with variables that you can't control. So anyways,
0: yeah, no, man, I, it's different than a walk in the woods, isn't it?
1: Oh my God. And it's, it's so much better. It's so much better. But what I was trying to say is that the, the barrier to entry to arrive at that initial aha moment of realization or a meaningful experience is pretty easy. I think it's, I mean, of course you got to go through like hunter safety and learn about firearms potentially and stuff like that. Of course. Um, but even that i think is it's it's much less of an obstacle than the physical nature and just the like the 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 years and years required to even get to the point where you can have a super meaningful experience on a wave most of these beginners are going straight like um riding small like uh waves that have already broken we call it white water they're just going straight and it's like you yeah, got picture people. that You'll get like bored. What, a even
0: a, even a professional surfer, or a, a highly trained surfer, that's what they end up with at the end of their ride if they haven't fallen down that part. That's ex-
1: that's exactly right. But really, where you're, what you're targeting is that unbroken kind of like usually it's green or blue. It's the it's the place that's right at the at the as close as you can get to the the part of the wave that is breaking, but it's not breaking yet. And that is where all the speed and the power for surfing is. But the ability, the uh, the knowledge that's required to get there, unless you're like in Waikiki and you're being pushed in on a massive foam board by, by essentially guides, you know, like, uh, though it's very hard to get to that point Wh- What's under the your fastest own fastest you
0: ever saw somebody get to that point?
1: Oh, I mean, probably realistically, um, who and I mean, I guess it depends on what you what you're saying. Like, yeah, you could technically ride like an unbroken wave, but it's not going to be a, a super meaningful wave. You could do that in maybe ten to twenty. <laughs> what's, meaning,
0: what's the difference between a meaningful wave and in a meaningless wave?
1: Well, sorry, all waves are. It's all relative, right? So just mm-hmm. like hunts are relative. Yeah, but
0: um, but, but, but to t- you, what what you consider a meaningful wave?
1: Uh, a wave of a certain size and power and duration. Um, where you feel the, the connect, like you feel connected to the wave, you are able to like maneuver on the wave in a manner that's, you know, it's surfing is weird. It's like a combination of athletic sport and like dance, right? It's a very, it's a very expressive act. And so when you get to the point where you can like, you can do a certain, like, it's not even a trick. Don't even call it a trick. It's just like a maneuver, like a big arcing turn on a wave that feeling is unreal. And so it can take probably two years of somebody surfing almost every, at least a couple times a week to get to that point. Um, and that's being, I think that's pretty quick. Yeah. Okay. Though, of course there are some like athletic freaks out there that are going to learn how to surf really quickly. But in general, I'd say it takes a couple years before you get to the point where it's like, it's starting to click you're starting to understand how to navigate the ocean, read currents, read swell, figure out where you are <laughs> and you have the endurance to to paddle yourself into into a wave of, of let's just say a wave of consequence perhaps. Like that's a, you know, otherwise you're in these like, you know, you're in the kiddie pool. Um, okay. you have you have floaties on and you're you're with <laughs> you, you're with the rest of the dipshits all just, you know, splashing each other and
0: yeah. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Uh. So, um, are there uh, are there, do the deer hang out on the beach? Ever <laughs> anywhere in California? Blacktail sure. deer. Blacktail deer hang out on the beach and up at our cabin in Alaska. Really? No, oh I yeah, would... lots of them. And then some of the Alaskan islands people hunt them off of the beat deer off the beach. Other Alaskan islands, all the time. That's like the approach.
1: Wow, um, I'm sure that there there are blacktail that that in it not inhabit, but they probably frequent beaches up in Northern California, around the Lost Coast, and places like that. There's tons of open land up there that that I, I would have no doubt that they would be hanging out at.
0: But um, I I'm just trying to help you synchronize your passions. I think it'd be yeah. sweet if you could kill a deer while riding away. <laughs> oh, that would be
1: insane. <laughs> I do have I have a little boat. I I have a little boat that I take um I take fishing a lot. The fishing's actually pretty good around San Francisco. I don't know if you've ever heard about it, but it's it's actually pretty dang good and I'm I'm not blowing up spots because I I literally live within four blocks of three like professional YouTubers that all they do is fish in the bay area. So, I'm not blowing anything up. Okay, here. it's already uh,
0: Damage is already gone. It,
1: well, it's still pretty dang good. Wing mm. cod, rockfish,
0: La- uh, greenling,
1: greenling, uh, lots of lots of good fish around here. What but kind anyways, of rockfish? Uh name name it, and it's here. We've got we've got blacks, we've got blues, we've got uh, canaries. I mean, we have. I think, like, we do absolutely, yeah. I think we've got around twenty species in this area. See, it's, like, it's a lot.
0: Here's the a- some of, some of those non-pelagic rockfish are so sensitive. Like there are, you can't fish non-pelagic rockfish around our cabin in Alaska. So it's surprising to me that there's enough of them around San Francisco that you could keep a handful.
1: Well, there are some that are, you can't keep. And there are, uh, there are four sets of four species that you can only keep, uh, I think two of, but, um, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a, there's a well, lot of how land. many of
0: the other kind can you keep?
1: You can keep 10, uh up to 10. Oh, uh, those are probably b-
0: more of the pelagic ones.
1: Yeah, I mean, you so you, you can do a grab bag assortment. It's it's essentially 10 uh of uh, an assortment of rockfish. So if you wanted to get 10 uh black rockfish, for instance, that's fine. Or you could get, you know, like some of these limited, more limited species, you could get one of them and nine more blacks if you wanted. Um, but yeah, but anyways, what I was going to say is that I use that boat also to, to hunt for little surf spots, like these points and stuff in, in Northern California as well, which I won't say another thing about that in terms of location, but, um, that is a really effective method. So it'd be pretty cool to use my little boat perhaps to, uh, to find game as well. We'll see. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I, I have, again, my, my experience with deer extends to my dad. So, um, I'm actually, this is the very first year I'm going to be attempting to go deer hunting, um, ever.
0: So, oh, we'll see how that okay. Goes. So the, since you've gotten into hunting, you've only turkey hunted and I've, small I've, game,
1: small game and turkey hunted. I've Bun- never bunnies, felt
0: bunnies and squirrels,
1: squirrels and bunnies. Yep. And quail, um, okay. And then uh and yeah, and so this is my, my first year at, at attempting uh larger game. So
0: And where I'm, are you I'm doing this? What state? I'll be
1: oh, California. Remember okay. I live in San Francisco. So oh no, I know, but um, I thought
0: maybe you're going to Colorado to hunt with your old man there.
1: Well, we've been talking about it, but um it's hard for me to justify that expense. So I mean I, I've been talking about maybe accompanying him on one of his hunts, but um yeah, and I, I I don't know how I feel about it yet. Given what we we're talking about, how it's hard for for guys who've been doing this for a long time to get tags in Colorado now. So I I don't feel comfortable taking from that that pile at the
0: moment. Really? Well, see, that's like a deeply ethical. Like that's a very giving yeah. or or courteous stance. More, I wouldn't think twice about putting in for a tag, but. Well,
1: I guess yeah, I don't know. It's um maybe if I if I prove to myself that I'm able to uh to get it, get it done, you know? Cuz a lot of times like my hunting experience to date has been almost nothing but failure. But I see the silver lining of being out there is actually insanely just incredible for me. But in terms of being a successful hunter, I'm about as far away from from that as you can get. So I would I guess for me like I, I hear about what what's happening in Colorado right now and kind of the trajectory of tag allocation and just the trajectory of frankly game in Colorado and yeah, I I don't know. I feel like some there are more desor- deserving folks out there and there's plenty of game in California that I can I can start to you know gain yeah. some chops around so I'm happy yeah. to do that.
0: What about going up in the Sierra Nevadas and hunting for mule deer?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I've already I got some plans. I've got some spots to at least explore. Um, being a up physical,
0: there. being a physical guy like you are, that yeah, could be very you know productive. I would think. I know there's not like I know that the, the I like hunting places where the density of the cricketer I'm going after is low, and you and working hard matters and getting away from roads matters and yeah that could be good a good fit for you you know
1: yeah i think i'm going to start slow because you know i got to think about like i need to learn about how to operate in the wind and thermals and you know like there's i'm i have no doubt that i'm going to be blown out deer hundred a hundred years before i even get within shooting distance of a deer oh, i hear you say stuff like that and i think that
0: a bunch of youtubers have been filling you with shit i mean just really it's as simple as this don't let the air go from you to them yeah <laughs> if that's happening then go in from a different way
1: <laughs> oh it's that easy huh all right yeah, oh, dude
0: i have i'm i've i'm not I, I learned a tiny, tiny bit from my dad and figured out all the rest myself. And, yeah. you know, I, I'm not a great hunter, but I don't buy meat. How long did,
1: did it take you? Do, would you say to, I mean, you've got a, you've got a whole community. You grew up with a whole community of hunters though, right? Like, um, but yeah, it's not like you, that we were
0: teaching each other things. It was, you weren't talking. No, we talked, but it's like. There was just a prescription that you followed. You know, if you were hunting deer, for the most part, that meant put out a bag of carrots and climb a tree and wait for the deer to come in. (laughs) And then when I, that was big game hunting in Michigan, period, period. Or that was bow hunting at least. And then rifle season, you'd set up a ground blind and hope something walked by. You wouldn't use bait then. But uh that was it. You didn't need to know much. That was it. Right. For big game. Small game, you know, it's like you already got that figured out. You've shot some of that stuff, so you know what it takes. So yeah. And then when I moved out west, I read a couple books um about hunting in the mountains and stuff like that. Watched some watched or listened to some cassette tapes on how to use a bugle. That was about it. That's about it. But it did take me forever to learn how to kill elk with a bow. Yeah. It that did take a long time. I hunted nine years before I killed a bull with a bow.
1: Oh wow. That's unreal. I can I can't relate, but I can somewhat relate. I'm I'm about five years in.
0: <laughs> so you know, yeah, there there I guess that with some things there it does take some time. But I mean If you get, I don't, I just don't see where, if you're talking about rifle hunting for deer in the mountains, I'd rather have be in good shape and have one year of experience than be in shitty shape and have 20 years. Cause like, there's just little things you got to know about trying to get in close enough with a bow to kill an elk. There's just like, just. I don't know, these subtle little freaking things you got to know, um, right. that are even hard to articulate. And you got to right. learn that one thing you got to learn is that you got to, that just because you failed the last 13 days, doesn't mean you're going to fail on the 14th day, like just to keep going. But with rifle hunting for deer in the mountains, you know, it's just, it, it's not, it's not as hard as the YouTuber tubers make it look or like, They, they need to make it look hard because they need you to keep tuning in and buying all their gadgets. Right. (laughs) That's true. Um,
1: That is something I've been trying to do less of, which I've, I found myself kind of getting, developing a bad habit of just buying shit to, uh, to counter the fact that I'm not in the woods enough, you know? And what are some of the uh, things that
0: you bought that felt a little bit unnecessary in retrospect?
1: Uh, Fancy bino harness. Oh, um,
0: those are nice because you don't want your binos just banging against your uh, sternum.
1: Yeah, for sure. But they're, that sucks.
0: They, I hate that feeling. Totally. But, but i
1: I had a I had a thirty dollar version that worked just as well. Um, and then I tried to upgrade to upgrade to like a chest rig type thing that was like you know good hundred and fifty bucks of my money that turned out to just be not at all necessary for what for what i was doing at the time um you know things like that i I don't necessarily regret buying them but after the fact i realized like oh yeah this is not going to make me a more effective hunter whatsoever what's going to make me a more effective hunter is just like i did out in the ocean i over time and getting pounded and getting beat up i learned that you don't go here, you look for these certain types of rip currents, you do these, you know, you there's uh you avoid like these certain situations and then and it's spot specific. You don't you don't paddle here at low tide, you paddle here at high tide, you know. So the I think parallels the-
0: between you're describing and on hunting, I think, are huge. There are things you yeah. just cannot learn from a YouTuber, right? Nor do you want to, nor do you want that- to. No, right. exactly. It, 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 it takes away from the experience to, right. you know, instead of figuring it out yourself. Yeah. It's not necessary. It's right. not necessary. I could see where it could be in some cases detrimental to yeah. be out hunting. And instead of being at one with the environment and using your brain and thinking through how to, get close enough to this thing to maybe get a, uh, ethical shot. You're asking yourself, what would Remy Warren do or whatever, you know?
1: Right. Or you're looking at a checklist on your phone.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, when I, I had it in my head that you and I would have this conversation that we would agree to start a nonprofit Dick, uh, devoted to combating this, all the things I'm hunting with, with, with both surfing, hunting, mountaineering, and And I don't know. There's maybe uh, I know that in some places mountain bike riding it can get terribly overcrowded. But what I'm coming away with is is a little different. You guys, first of all, what I'm learning—tell me if I'm right—is that with influencers bringing people in, they're bringing them into places that a decent surfer can't go anywhere. So the, so the, the
1: the influencers, yes the people who are blown up spots and yes. the organizations, like there was a surf contest in San Francisco in 2011 and it's never been the same. And I'm talking, I'm not talking about the beginners. And I, on, I could frankly not care. I don't care much about the beginners generally. And I they think they don't I impact
0: your experience.
1: Not that much where I surf it's, it's there. It's not beginner friendly, Yeah, but now, and I, I was going to make this point, And I wonder if it's similar for, for your experience, what it did attract this surfing contest that I'm referring to, what it did attract was really damn good surfers from Southern California coming up here and checking the swell charts. And on those days where it's the day of days in San Francisco and previously there was 40 people. Now there's a hundred people out there. Why do they, they
0: why do they travel up North instead of staying home?
1: Because the waves are better, much better Oh, in, in, it's there are little microclimates and pockets and swell directions, and all of these things will come into play. To um, you know, you can essentially within a within about a let's say three or four days, you can you can b- gamble on a particular area being pretty damn good. So, a
0: kale so, guy, whereas in the past he would have no idea if it w- the conditions were going to be right up there, now like he's been there because of the surfing competition. And now he also he's, has, he's aware ad. of it. He's aware he's of the spots of and yeah. that in addition to now he has some way of forecasting when it's going to be good.
1: That's exactly right. And, um, yep. And you know, before there was a lot of mystique around San Francisco, it's known to be full of great white sharks. It's known to be one of the most difficult breaks to paddle out to the lineup in the world. It's like, on on one of these really popular apps called um it's called Surfline they they have a scale from difficulty and San Francisco is is actually just described at the very end of that it's like from from 1 to San Francisco basically it's oh, like it's known to wow. be the off the charts the one of the most hard difficult places and so that has been a reputation of this area for a long time but when people saw on youtube that these incredible surfers getting these incredible waves through this throughout the span of a week they good surfers now good surfers realized that they could go there um so in that way i realize that i'm kind of contradicting myself a little bit but in that way that blew up our spot yeah understand. that's like that
0: like that's like onyx and go hunt for exactly. hunting
1: exactly And so I, I think I would love to join you in a campaign to to spread, to make it socially unacceptable in the hunting community to, to provide specifics with regards to locations and spots, because it, it happens in, in surfing, but like I said, it's just, it's like it's a it's one of the sin, like the deadly sins, you know. It's one of the Ten Commandments: "Thou shall not."
0: Yeah, well, it sounds like there's a hell spots. of a lot of self self policing that goes on with that.
1: Absolutely, and it happens just like the example I just provided with San Francisco. And of course, you know, it's it's not like it's so bad that the locals can't get waves. And they the, some of those policing mechanisms happen here. You do occasionally see a fist fight. You do occasionally see people. um, you know uh being sent to the beach right here but uh in general like you know it's it's not so bad that like in in a, a hunt uh, in a hunting situation it, your spot might be ruined for for a long time you know um it's in the in surfing it's like yeah my day might have been ruined but there's a probably a day not tomorrow, but maybe next week. That'll be really fun too. You know, that might not be, it might not be as good as today, but there will be another day, another wave. Um,
0: Are there places that you like to go that you won't go certain days?
1: There are places that I would love to go that I will never go. Okay. Never. Um, But in the
0: milieu of places that you like to go, it's not like oh, I'm not going on a Saturday. You yeah. don't have that. Oh,
1: oh, absolutely. Okay. There, there, there are like San Francisco has some pretty terrible winds for surfing. Um, a lot like half of the year, and so there are some pockets that are more of these beginner style breaks where there's four, literally four cameras pointing at this like live webcam streams that are happening twenty four seven. You know, um those places I will I know that it might be fun there and it might be one of the only places to surf in the in the area but I won't I won't surf there um it, you know it would be the most convenient place but I won't I wouldn't surf there but again it's not ruined for me because there are also two or three other places that require potentially a treacherous swim or or a paddle I mean um or waiting it for a very specific tide for a one hour window where this one really rocky, you know, fairly treacherous area just opens up, you know? And if you don't know, if you, if it's not on the internet, not shared on social media, then you don't know. So it's really, it's there are these like uh these areas very close to that area that I described um, that have all of those cameras on it and stuff that, you will you it'll be unreal the conditions will be just perfect not a not a drop of water out of place and there will be one two maybe three people there tops, oh wow you know so yeah. but that that's just uh it, like i described before it's a, it's it, it's like that for a reason because it's been protected you know and there's a culture of protecting those spots yeah in surfing
0: if i was so. if i was a surfer and I found out about some honey hole and posted something about it and you guys started coming after me. You know what I'd say? I'd say, You guys are just being gatekeepers. You're just trying to keep it all to yourself.
1: Yeah, I hear that word a lot. Um, unfortunately. That's what they say I am all the time. Well, um, you, you are to some extent, but you're kind of you're holding the gate for a lot of us, not just I'm not yourself. telling
0: anybody to do anything. I'm just well, saying tell people
1: not to post,
0: <laughs> I, uh, can't, don't have the power to do that. I'm pointing <laughs> no, out, I'm pointing out that I think that it's counterproductive, but right. you got to make your own right. choice, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I just but, want to repeat myself. I, I do not condone that type of verbal and physical. Assault. Yeah. You don't um, seem like
0: the type at all.
1: Yeah. Uh, oh. I have had a couple instances where I was, I lost my cool, but um, yeah, generally speaking, if you, if you paddle out, I'll try to, you know what? I'm a dick actually. You, I might seem, <laughs> like, I see, I might seem like a good guy, but let me tell you something. Matt. That's let, hilarious. let me tell you something just just a, a couple days ago, I was enjoying right out front of my house. I live right on the beach in San Francisco. Wow.
0: Really? Um,
1: Yeah. In a sleepy little blue collar neighborhood right on the outskirts of San Francisco. And um, I was surfing right out in front of my house. Not a soul was out there, but this guy just came and paddled right next to me, despite there being a wave to my north and to my south. Maybe
0: he was scared.
1: But so maybe he was maybe he was lonely that's the empathetic approach and that's why surfers are the worst because you know what how i treated this guy i looked at him i gave him almost like a not a bad look but i didn't acknowledge him i didn't say hi then the guy kind of tried to paddle for a wave like aggressively when i had been out there it was clearly
0: oh so he wasn't going out there to make friends if he's doing that
1: Well, he just, he didn't know what he was doing. It was a smaller day. And again, I think that like, you're, you're right. Like people are tend to be lemmings and they go where they see other people and they, they find for some reason they find comfort in that. But then I looked at him and I just said, you know, you know, there are three miles of beach and you choose here. You chose here, right here where I was surfing. And I just looked at him and I just paddled down the beach completely away from him and uh you know left him in my wake and i felt like i i felt like a total dick after that what i really should have done is you know been empathetic been welcoming said you know like there's plenty of waves for both of us how you doing but i didn't say a single thing to the guy until it was a negative thing where i i you know i rebuked him
0: (laughs) yeah yeah uh but hey, I don't know. But, maybe- I mean if you if, if if you hadn't barked at him a little bit, he might just kept doing that and doing that and doing that. Yeah. You know, that, once I try- in a while, what if, if you, you know if you don't correct bad behavior, if we get so damn polite that we can't correct bad behavior, then it might be that people just there's less happiness in the world because people have, are ruining each other's experiences more than necessary this guy's ruining your experience even though he could have had a positive experience 300 yards away
1: exactly have you ever have you ever uh, had a, a similar situation like on the trailhead or anything with people just in terms of like somebody potentially with the best intentions but just utter... Lack of awareness, and you know, you had to kind of set them straight.
0: Mm, there, th- if there's a a place I hunt where there's motorcycle trails, and I chewed on this guy a few years ago because he kept freaking like he was hunting, but he come buzzing by camp first thing in the morning as the sun's coming up and the elk are like when the elk are talking and still out in the meadows and stuff like that and i barked at him a little bit about that you know just like you're out there and it's super quiet and it's like go time and there's this incredibly loud noise all of a sudden it's just hard to keep your cool but that that's that's the only thing that really comes comes to mind where i grew up in michigan we used to fishing places for steelhead where it was shoulder to shoulder. We called it combat fishing, Oh man, you know, and once in a while, some people would get on each other's nerves. I would get on other people's nerves. People would get on my nerves. So those are the two things that, that come to mind. Um, I really got after a guy a few years ago cause I took him elk hunting and then he, I found out he went into my spot without me
1: ah gotcha
0: but but you know it's like but now that as bad as that is i don't see any difference between that and drawing people into other spots like i keep saying i don't i don't see why that's any different
1: right and by spots you mean like general areas right
0: i'm saying bringing more people into the hunting community to go into what is gonna be a bunch of spots that already have too many people scattered across the u.s or if there's someone of means they're going to then lease up a bunch of property and it's not going to be longer going to be available to door banging i just i think it's the ultimate fuck you to your fellow hunters to bring more people in if you look at what's happening to hunting opportunity in this country and the leasing opportunity being tags i mean tag restrictions things going from over the counter to draw reduce bag limits. That's the that's the norm throughout this country. We tracked it. For my Pope and Young talk, I don't know if you saw that online, but we tracked it, like all the loss of opportunity in the last year and then it, it, it's, it's insane. So I just think it's more rude than ever to um, bring more people in and crowd the existing hunting community that's out there for the traditional reasons just so you can make more money yep agreed so I, I don't know i just can't make i can't figure out what the difference is between what we all agree is wrong burning the spot it's it's now it's now it's getting confusing because you call what burning a wave
1: which is oh it's both it's both burn yeah
0: it's both you can burn a you spot, guys say spot burning. Okay. Okay. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um,
1: Do you op, open question, but I'm curious if you've looked into uh, beginner retention with regards to, to early hunters, this is an anecdote, but I, you know, I've been talking about this with a bunch of friends. I have seen, we saw surfing, saw a big boom, COVID boom. Um lots of people had lots of time. They couldn't do anything else, so they bought surfboards and went to the beach. Um I anecdotally in these in these parts, be it we've had pretty bad waves in the last few months, I would say. It's been it's been a crazy year for us weatherwise in California. Um but I think that we are seeing far fewer beginners in the water than at the time of COVID. And there's been some
0: parts I know there's some parts of the that- I know there's some parts of the country where the number of licenses sold in 2022 was down from 2021.
1: Yeah. I I have a feeling that in surfing, there's going to be that, that churn rate of people realize this is hard. There's no chance I'm going to become a good, good surfer. And so they, they just bail. But I do think that maybe there's, it's a symptom of people going back to work too. Ha- just having less free time. I have no data. I've no in- like nothing to support that other than again, my own personal experience, but in surfing, it feels like that, that balloon has shrunk a bit.
0: Um, yeah. I I'm think, the, I think it was terribly, I, I, okay. I think the demand for hunting outstripped the supply for hunting. It that's been, it's been that way <laughs> my whole life. I would say. So my the concerns I have now would have been concerns I had if I was a a grown man and wanted to do something about um I wanted to make sure that if I was a, if I, let's say I was a grown man in 1985 and I wanted the hunting industry to uh, to look out for me I would have been Adversarial to hunting recruitment, hunting promotion then. I mean, I had some terrible experiences on public land when I was a kid where I remember hunting public land in places where there'd be these huge camps. And as soon as the sun went down, they turn on like a stereo incredibly loud so that people could find their way back to the camp or sitting in a ground blind. and, and, And this is in the woods where there's four or five orange vests that I can see all within a couple hundred yards. Uh, So in terms of moderate, like it getting even worse now, a lot of it, here's a date. I'll give you one data point that, that, that predates COVID or one source of data. So one of our folks looked at what's happened to draw odds which is another component, just like crowding, right? It's even worse. It's like now you can't even go at all, you know, if you don't draw a tag. If looked at draw, did you, you, have you been on our Instagram?
1: I I think I, well, Yeah, please proceed. I'm not sure entirely. Okay, so
0: there's, what he did was he graphed applicants per tag from, 2016 to current and it and then he also graphed cumulative Google searches for Fresh Tracks Hushin Meat Eater and another show that's escaping me right now and it's unbelievably unbelievable how those two curves track each other and in 2016 it was two applicants per tag and then by 2019 so just prior to the pandemic having an impact it was about three and now it's currently about four so there was the there was a massive in, increase well your draw's decreased 50% between 2016 and 2019 and uh so and i think that's a consequence of media
1: i i don't think that there's really any doubt i think that we are i mean i'm i'm part of it uh hunting has become cool hunting has become hip and these companies I think that Mediator more than any of these other ones because they have a the the quality, like the tastefulness of their content, is really appealing.
0: Well, yeah, like they've have, got they've got a huge like they have a venture capitalist firm that's pumping a bunch of money into them.
1: Absolutely, and I think that they're just articulate, thoughtful people. You
0: know that it's like <laughs> not that, thoughtful that, about the people that they grew up hunting with. That's for sure.
1: I'm more, absolutely, I'm more, re- I'm referring to just like, you know, like the, the concept of fair chase and meaningful oh, yeah, experience yeah, outdoor. Yeah. They'll make all um, kinds of noise
0: about, about this, this stuff, this peripheral stuff, but not the biggest three causes of dissatisfaction in hunting today, which are crowding, lack of access and inability to draw a tag. Like they'll make all kinds of noise about conservation. They won't say a word about like companies like land trust yeah. that are like gobbling up shitloads of property. Right. You know? So it's and like all
1: of that, all of that feels like it's such a symptom of hunting being trendy right now. And I do think that these media companies that you're referring to have a huge part of it, part to play in that. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and and like, won't,
0: But won't take any tough stances to, to mitigate their behavior. Which right. is what well, drives they're benefit- me nuts. They're
1: benefiting from from this to some extent, right? The well, more no, pain I'm saying I things have-
0: like that's like if you want to draw more people in, if that's if if that's even if it's not what you want, they, they yeah they definitely want because they're selling clothes. They definitely like a meat eater definitely wants to draw more people in, definitely yeah. Um, so oh, yeah. okay, if you want to draw more people in, then how come? you don't take a stance against people that shoot 20 game, big game animals a year. Like, isn't that a logical next step? You want more people, right? Don't you want to spread the wealth? Like what is no, no way in hell are they going to say anything like that? Cause then they'll, they're going to lose some product sales by people that think that that's not that, that, the idolize the people that idolize people that shoot 20 big game animals a year or uh, in Montana. This we've got like this land trust company that's in direct competition with publicly funded sportsmen funded programs that compensate landowners for letting everybody hunt? Do they say a thing about that? No. It's like I have to start a thing and talk about it because they won't talk about it. They're the ones drawing in all the people. Yeah. And they're the ones that are at the same time making it so those people have less places to go because they've jacked up the cost of access so much and done millions of dollars of free advertising for land trust. You know, right. I don't know. I, you're right. They're articulate that my brother, his crew, they're articulate, they're identifiable. All they're, they're good people, but you know, I'm i I'm a little bit mad that I'm a little bit upset that, they promote the shit out of hunting and I'm a little, and I'm very to the detriment of the existing hunting community. And I'm very upset at their unwillingness to take tough stances. So it's like yeah. there's two different things there. And it's the second one that pisses me off the most. Right. Like, yeah. Where, and it has be- where are they? Where are you? Uh, well, how come you don't hear that on the meat eater podcast about, sitka lying to the american people about what it takes like to have a decent how much it costs to have that experience that that guy had on that ranch in utah yeah
1: it it was a strange move for me just externally being kind of a fan of the brand uh when they started really hammering like gobbling up other companies and sorry, that's maybe an unfair way to say it, but they, you know, where they, they started really hammering the pushing of, of, of product. Um, you know, I think you like could always
0: wheelers think- like cam can am. Cam am. I th- like they, they started out. My brother's whole thing started out as this like back country thing. And now they're like, they're like, the, fire, <laughs> the four-wheeler advertising firm. Right.
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's not even that. It's like there was like, you, you know, like, do you know the concept of like an advertorial? It's like an editorial, but that's been sponsored by uh, a company. Oh, you I know? just
0: learned about this. I and had a guy it, on that that has a small firearms company. If you're li- no, I went on his podcast. He's coming on mine in September. If you're listening to this, buy from Wolf Precision in Pennsylvania. They are a hunk quietly firearm manufacturer. Son of a bitch! And when I say a son of a bitch, I don't mean you. I'm just saying. I'm like, <laughs> saying they're a good company. So Hell yeah. But what I'm saying uh, is yes, I know about their these.
1: content. Man, They're their content of late, and I would even argue like their. I don't even know what their main breadwinner is, but their main, like big meteor episodes, like you see guys in like brand, like old timers and brand new, like sparkling first light gear. They call that it logo
0: just, wear, right? Y-
1: yeah, but it's, it's cool. Like I don't have anything against the, the clothes. I don't know. They're too expensive for me largely, but, um, in my level of hunting right now, and I'm trying to say, but it is a little bit, I don't know. It's almost corny. From, from externally to, like, see how obvious some, some of that stuff, you know? It's, like, it's less, you know, like, there I recall an earlier episode I think it's of, cheesy
0: as hell. I went onto their website about a year ago and yeah. I'm looking around, it's like, what's in Kale's pack? Like, right. what's in Kale's si- seek-a-deer-hunting pack? Oh, my God. <laughs> i got to yeah. tune in and find out what has he got in that fucker, you know? Meaning, if like... You can- that's the cure totally. you got to have, you know?
1: And it's almost like, it's like, I, you can almost feel that, you know, when they're, when they're filming something, it's like, all right, Cal, do that again. And this time. Oh, I've been on that way. show.
0: That's exactly what it is. There's it nothing to do with hunting and I, right. all playing TV is that way. Hunting TV has nothing to do with hunting.
1: I, I I will argue that there are some meaningful, like I was so impressed when meat eater came out with a uh with an episode where they didn't get anything they were unsuccessful but they still showcased like how wonderful that experience was and i think it was like maybe steve was out in arizona or something for for i think like over a week and i was like hell yeah like that that actually maybe won me over more than anything initially this is probably five years ago or something i'm not sure but the fact that it's like okay it's not it's it's not any of that stuff that you're that you see so often—the grip and grin, mighty hunter. I'm the badass. I'm the Cam Haines who's gonna, you know, haul a 800 pound elk out on my back. And you know what I mean? It was like it was like shit. We were not successful, but it was
0: worth it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I I just no, felt I like get, that. You know, I'll give them points there for sure.
1: Well, but that whole that whole episode I thought was just so tasteful. Mm-hmm. And the re and that's appealing, not just to, m- to me who was inspired to hunt, but it is, I think it's appealing to a broad audience and it might be a good, <laughs> but it, it, it might be a good thing to have that tight level of storytelling out there. Not all of it. I'm not, and I'm on your team, Matt. I hope you know that. No, I, I know.
0: I know. No, I, but, I am but, on your of team. course, of course. No, you're exploring the other side. What are the positives and everything? Anything that's complicated is going to have positive and negatives
1: absolutely and i i just i guess what you t- what you told me about your experience 20 years ago or more is that hunting's always been overcrowded before it became super sexy super hot right now where there's snowboarders learning how to hunt and joe rogan i just think that in that time there's this there's this like perfect storm of influence that ha- has come upon hunting and it's great, tasteful content. People like Steven Ranella out there, who's actually making it, making pe- the general public realize that hunting isn't a bunch of good old boy hicks just killing stuff for fun. It's people like Joe Rogan, who obviously you can't, you can't deny his influence. All these people are all coming together right now. And you're seeing, I thought this is a, actually a question to you. I thought it was like, this is a blip. And that blip, we've seen it in surfing. We saw it in skateboarding. We've seen it in snowboarding. There's in five years, there might be half, am- half the amount of people in the water as there are right now because it's not going to be as sexy as, as it is at this moment because we are experiencing a trend.
0: Uh-huh. I'm, I'm I not I don't sure. know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. I don't. It's uh, an open how question? do I know? Yeah. How do, I don't know.
1: Me either. Maybe there's I'll some try to optimistic. There,
0: there's some things that have followed followed a long time arc in an upward trajectory, like leasing. That yep. is 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 steadily increased. Yeah, you know that but,
1: uh, that metric that you I think you came up with. I think it's the the ratio of available pub available land to per hunter to mm-hmm. to to the hunter. I think that is getting at like the act like the root like that is like the root metric that we should really be measuring all things against um yeah. which I thought was just incredible that you guys came up with that because that is true like number of acres added it's all irrelevant if you know if opportunity is is has d- decreased for you know, my opportunity has decreased as a result, you know? So anyway, yeah. I think it's yeah. a pretty interesting, interesting metric that, uh, you might be able to, to win some more folks over
0: <laughs> if I, with. if I emphasize it, Yeah,
1: know, perhaps just my, yeah. my, my two cents. Yeah. And I think that over time you had mentioned that that is, it's not just a trend, right? That, that the, the leasing
0: thing is right. Okay well it's a trend it's an upward trend and it's just a well, long-term trend whether right. or I, whether or not the the hunting craze that's been that's going on right now persists I I don't I don't know that that kind of thing is just very very difficult to to predict but it's like right now big horns are like big jewelry you know there, it's like a status symbol. And is that like, is that a cultural shift where now big horns that you show off are like how modern, one of the mechanisms by which modern society, uh, showcases, demonstrates their prowess. I mean, it's financial prowess to some extent, because that you, you can buy them big horns, man and and also physical prowess and like that's what it's become but does it have staying power right i don't know your guess is as good as mine you 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 it sounds like you think that maybe it goes away
1: well i don't have any reference to what life was before this and it sounds like from listening to you and others that crowding has been um, a problem. Lack of public land, lack of access has been a problem. And these, there's a, there's no indication that um, this would get better given what's what maybe in the last, I don't know, I'm throwing it out there, 20 years, 30 years of data suggests. Right. Yeah. So I think, I think that, um, I think that regardless of trend, if this trend didn't happen if hunting didn't pop in the way that it did we'd still be in in a tough situation
0: it's, just not it's, nearly as tough
1: just not nearly as tough exactly yeah. and i mean i do think that like i i've heard a little bit being from my fa- i got family in colorado that you know like they're they're starting to float some like really kind of crazy permitting systems around not even hunting but just around uh, you know, um, being able to hike in certain like you know areas, like certain like uh, highly traffic, like elk, uh, like feeding grounds and stuff at certain times of the year, certain permits. It feels to me like I know that you mentioned that everything's it's going to be a rich man's game and everything goes to private. But it does feel like if if this problem persists and public access diminishes not only is the is the the value of private opportunity going to increase but i think that it's just naturally public opportunity to public access to public lands is going to decrease too because like what are what's a wild wildlife manager going to do with there's 10 trucks at every trailhead and everyone's spooking animals to the extent where it's actually a detriment to the the to the life and the lifespan of the herd or the animal it seems like my prediction unfortunately is that you know it's going to be harder and harder not only to get a tag but to access the woods you uh i i'm full i'm full of shit i don't know anything about anything but that that feels like a like a permitting system just like they did with yosemite i'm sure you've heard about it where you can't you can't hike El Cap anymore. You have to, you have to put in for a permit, and you have to uh, reserve that six, seven, eight months in advance. Sometimes a year in advance.
0: Well, yeah, even um, floating the floating Yellowstone or uh, Grand Canyon, it's a permitting system. There's rivers in Montana. It's it's a permitting system. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I I had Scott Fitzwilliams on the podcast. He's the supervisor for the White. River National Forest in Colorado—that's their biggest national forest—and he's talking about how they—they they don't know what they're going to do, but they're going to have to do something. That's that stuff is largely a consequence of more people moving to the state of Colorado, right? Yeah.
1: Well, I don't know. Do you think it is that just Colorado specific, or I feel like I well, see there's more people
0: moving to Montana too, so there's that too, you know?
1: But there's more people, you know. There's more people fishing at the streams, fly fishing, biking, there's just more people that are in these wild places because they've learned about them. Yeah. Um, through I think through social media and I I realize I'm just echoing a lot of what you're saying. But if all of these things are found to have a profound impact on wildlife, it's just like it's pretty obvious that there's going to need to be some type of restriction on said activities.
0: There, are, yeah, yep. well, and there already. I mean, there already is. Like, somebody put a bunch of units in Colorado are now draw, right? Right. Or yeah. last year over the counter and turkeys right. in the southeast the same way with a lot of the units there, Nevada, Arizona,
1: right. So all these places are going to get worse. I mean,
0: that's awesome. That's awesome. That 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 the wildlife managers are adapting. To the increased interest it's just to me it's not awesome that the increased interest isn't awesome
1: exactly and it's going to lead to less opportunities for yeah for some people who depend on you know who not maybe not depend but who greatly value these yeah. experiences yeah so cool well i'll stay i'll go back into my lane sorry i'm i no
0: no <laughs> no 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 i i learned a lot about surfing and 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 I hopefully hopefully this gives some people just some food for thought and thinking about parallels between between other disciplines and and hunting. Um, it's start uh,
1: punching people, start slapping, yeah, start punching right. at the trailhead. Right. That's that's my <laughs> message. <laughs> start using the word "kook" a lot more frequently, <laughs> um, and just just be in general. Just be a dick. Just there be a bad go. person there to we people go. and.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh it, like it, it'd be like a D3 a, a detour detract <laughs> and uh I don't know I'll have to come up with another D. Um
1: uh, oh, right. I don't know.
0: Joe Joseph, I I really appreciate you taking the time and um wish you the best and let's keep in touch and I'd love to hear about uh, your first year deer hunting goes.
1: Sounds good. It might not be noteworthy, but we'll uh, we'll see.
0: <laughs> yeah, please yeah. do keep in touch. It's, it, I'm in a weird position where I can't be a good new friend. It, it has to be kind of one sided where you reach out to me because I just have so many exchanges going on now. But yeah. I would love it. If it's you, all good. If I would love it if you kept in touch, so.
1: Sure. If you, if you want to, that's great, but it doesn't hurt my feelings. It no, Sometimes not, I, I feel like I, have too, <laughs> I no. have too many friends.
0: So I have too many friends. I would just love you. to hear more. <laughs> I would like to begin kept in touch about how your hunt- journey as a hunter goes.
1: Yeah. Sounds good. And, uh, if you ever want to surf, let me know. I'll, oh, I've always uh,
0: okay. wanted to try it.
1: Well, yeah. My don't, wife and don't. I
0: are going on a big old north or er, Northwest trip. Next March that might bring us into California. We're not we're gonna do a little spear fishing on the Oregon coast. Oh beautiful. Clam digging, hang out with some friends, hers in Portland. We're starting out with a guy I met on the podcast. He's hosting us for some spear fishing. And then we might uh go down to California. So
1: there's some great spear fishing in this man, area.
0: I would be so bad at surfing, I bet so bad i was an excellent skim boarder but
1: you know um i recommend uh you try you don't even need a board at first you know surfing isn't just ripping on a board if you get a a pair of fins um and you have if you have a wetsuit you can get into some pretty amazing uh experiences just by learning how to body surf just with your just fins in your body and the right You can use a hand plane or you don't even need to use that, but you just learn how to be in the right position and you can get some incredible visions. Those tubes we were talking about. Yeah, no, I'd (laughs) love
0: to take a little ride, you know, sure.
1: Yeah. yeah. I don't really
0: generally like going fast and I don't like jarring experiences, but there's something about surfing. It is just beautiful. It looks beautiful. Like I could see, I could see, devoting my in another in another life devoting devoting uh, myself to it so yeah the cool All thing right.
1: about it is you can you can surf when you're 82 so oh really that's, that's, yeah you really can it's a uh, lots of people are out there of course they're not ripping but they're uh they're doing good stuff yeah. anyways thanks matt i really appreciate it and i i really value your perspective i think that um even for a guy like me who doesn't know much uh, doesn't have a lot of experience with the the hunting community. I think that, um, I almost immediately heard your message. I think I got it. And, uh, I, you know, I became a bit, a bit of an advocate, thought about ways that I could become uh how I could participate as well.
0: Yeah. Um, And if you have ideas, I mean, we're trying to grow this team and it is growing. It's growing and it's getting more talented, so yeah, if you if you have ideas and ways you want to contribute, you should definitely get a hold of me then. So Yeah,
1: for sure. For yeah. sure. But I just I want to say, you know, I feel like some people don't, for some reason, they don't get it. Um, but I think a lot of us do, especially of us that don't have a lot of uh you know, a lot of ties to the hunting industry. I think you're saying a lot of things that a lot of people have thought for, for a long time, even guys like me who with limited experience. So I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. And I do think that if we check in in a year, I bet you it's going to be far greater than 30,000. Oh,
0: all right. All right. Good deal.
1: All right, man. Well, thank you so much. Thanks. All right. You too.
0: Bye.